welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Tonight, um, I've, I've asked one of our staff, uh, I've asked Joe Piat to come and to share her story with you. Um, sometimes when we talk about being empowered by the Spirit, or you read books on the empowering of the Spirit, uh, they will often focus on the incredible, the absolute encounters of supernatural, you know, uh, power, and, and you come away from them thinking, you know, um, nice to be you, sucks to be me, because that stuff hasn't happened to me, doesn't happen to me. Um, I think all of us can be in line for supernatural encounters. The reality is they don't come along every day. Every day we do the mundane walking out of obedience. And um, Joe's story is incredibly supernatural in such an ordinary way. Uh, I'm not in any way trying to demean that story. The reason we asked her to tell the story is it's a wonderful story. It's an incredible journey, and Karen and I have had the privilege of, of, of watching it unfold and watching a woman of God emerge, a woman empowered by the Spirit. And um, Joe's been on our staff now for a number of years, is an incredibly valuable member of our staff. The fact that she's going to get up and talk to you is, and you'll work this out from her background, miraculous. It's, a, it's a, the supernatural activity of God. And I wanted her to talk to you because I know so many of you will absolutely relate to what she's going to say. We had so many good comments this morning and looking forward to you doing it again, Joan. No pressure. pressure. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Thank you. Is it? Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, cool. That's good. Um, so I'm Jo. Um, I'm... 30-ish, we'll go with. Um, I'm married to Jono, and we've got uh, two boys, Archie, who is uh, three, and Jasper, who is one. Um, and it's a really fun, full time of life. Um, the boys get on pretty well, but the other day, um, Archie was talking to Uncle Matt, who's my younger brother, and they're really, they're quite good friends, and they're having a good conversation. And it came up that Archie sort of said to Uncle Matt, do you have any kids, Uncle Matt? And Uncle Matt, no, no, I don't have any kids. And he was like, why not? Why don't you have any kids? Um, and then they're just kind of chatting, and then Archie just kind of, it's like he gets a brainwave, and it's like, you could have Jasper. <laughs> and I kind of walked in at that point, and I was like, uh, but you'd really miss Jazzy if, you know, if he wasn't there, Arch. And he thought about it for a bit, and then he was like, well, maybe, Uncle Matt, you could go to the warehouse and get a kid there. So <laughs> it's great. It's great at this age. The three-year-old age is a lot of fun. Um, so I spend all of my time being a mum and some of my time here at Gateway doing a wide variety of things. Um, I'm the middle child of seven children. And I kind of, I, I do find introductions to be a really odd thing in a setting like this, but also just in social settings where there's kind of like this etiquette that when you introduce yourself, um, you say certain things about yourself and they're usually around what you do and where you work. But um, I want to maybe just do that a little bit differently tonight, and I just want to define myself by the most important thing about me, and that is one of the things that I know to be true in life is that I am loved by God, um, and he has captured my heart and my affections, 
and as best as I can and as much as I can, I want to um, bring his kingdom to the pieces of earth that I inhabit. Um, which, let's be honest, is not very well sometimes, especially when I'm tired. Um, last Sunday night, um, I was here at our gathering. Jono and I take turns coming on a Sunday night, and our customers that we, we take turns because it's like a night out, which is exciting for us. Um, we take turns coming, and so it was my turn. It's often my turn. Um, but it was my turn to be here, and what we do is we, we, come, we come to the gathering, and then you get to do the grocery shopping afterwards. It's like the reward. Um, but I was here and I was, um, in our time of kind of corporate worship together, I was standing here and I was just praying the things that I'd normally pray. Um, come, Lord, come, I want more of you. We need you, I need more of you. Um, and I just felt in that moment, I just heard the Lord say to me in my mind, Joe, you come, you come. And uh, I paused, because I'm not that great at listening. I was kind of like, what, what was it, what was that? And I heard, God say to me again, Joe, you come. And I was reminded of the account of the crucifixion in Matthew, where it says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And I just had a picture in that moment of Jesus standing in that holy place saying, come, Joe, come closer, um, kind of beckoning me in. And um, I guess what I want to share with you tonight is my story of God beckoning me in of saying, come closer, come closer. Um, and obviously for all of us, it's always just a journey of just one step after the other, just coming closer as God beckons us. So I wanna tell you my story of coming to know the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not spectacular, as Don so nicely said. Um, it's not gonna be some great theological talk or argument for tongues or baptism in the spirit or anything like that. I'll leave those things to Don. I wanna simply tell you my story of how God revealed more of himself to me and how he has captured and is capturing my heart in a way that if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I would have said, God is not like that. God does not do that. And um, if my 15-year-old self was standing up here beside me, um, they'd be going, wow, that is really unexpected. Um, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. I don't really ever recall a time in my life where God wasn't real to me. Um, I don't have any grand conversion experience to wow you with, um, because God, thankfully, has always been really real to me. Um, as I said, I'm the middle child of seven children, and my parents are amazing, faithful followers of Jesus. And they brought me up to know God and to know the word of God. Um, I'm, again, thankfully the descendant of generations of people that love the Lord. So I grew up in the church in the context that I grew up in um, was a brethren church. And if you know anything about the brethren, and I'm probably simplifying it a lot, but there's maybe a bit of a continuum. So maybe at one end there's like the exclusive brethren and at the other end kind of open brethren perhaps. And so the church context that I grew up in was probably in the middle, um, lots of the people in um, our church context um, had come out of the exclusive brethren. My dad's family came out when my dad was eight. Um, so that's kind of the background. It, it wasn't at that end, it wasn't at that end, it was sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, and there are so many things that I admire and really respect about that church context that I grew up in. Um, but there's also some things that I've really had to wrestle with 
um, with God about to do with my theology, and one of them has obviously been, who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? One of the things about growing up in the church that I grew up in was the belief that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had ceased um, with the apostles. So over the series, Don's talked about that as the theology of cessationalism, not sensationalism, <laughs> cessationalism. Um, so my understanding as a child was that the gifts of prophecy or speaking in tongues didn't happen today, or maybe if they did, it was in a really extreme circumstance, like on a missionary field overseas or something. Um, healing definitely didn't happen either, although it was kind of allowed to happen, and it might be something that we prayed for in a roundabout way. Um, yeah, but those things just didn't happen, or they're explained quite differently to what I saw in the Bible. I um, mean, it's maybe not that these things were taught as such, it's just that the Holy Spirit as the third person in the Trinity was just not really talked about. Um, Jesus our Saviour, God our Father and Creator, most definitely, um, but who the Holy Spirit was in this Trinitarian relationship I don't even really remember um, him being talked about. The Holy Spirit was kind of like the poor second cousin or maybe the socially awkward uncle that you sort of stop inviting to the family gatherings because you know, he is a little bit awkward, but he would muscle his way in anyway. And when I reflect on my childhood faith, I would say that I knew a lot about Jesus my Savior and God our Father and I could recite many verses and recount any number of Bible stories to you. And if there ever was or is a Bible quiz, I like to think that I'm your girl. Um, but it's not as simple to say that my faith was just this intellectual faith. Um, Jesus was really real to me. I knew his voice, I knew his prompting. I knew in some ways how to be obedient to his leading. Um, and yet I'd say I had God tucked away in this really neat and very tidy and very predictable probably quite little box. And I didn't have any language to explain who the Holy Spirit was or what he was about. Um, when I was 18, I moved here to Hamilton to study and I ended up living in um, this Christian hostel, hostel up by the university, some of you may know it. And it was in that time that God really gently just began to push his way out of the neat and tidy box that I'd put him in. And as is often the way, um, I began to see more of who God was by the characters of the people that I met in that place. And in my year at this hostel, I think there were kind of roughly, loosely, maybe four types of people. This is really, uh, you know, generalizing here. The first type were people like me, kind of quite relatively sheltered, maybe conservative Christian backgrounds, just getting on with walking their faith in a really admirable and solid way. Um, the second were also some types of kids, not kids, they're not kids, um, from a Christian background. Um, but they were, you know, it's the first time they're away from their families and so they were kind of stoked to be making the most of, or maybe the least, depending how you look at it, um, of the freedom that they were now experiencing. Um, the third were um, some people that had no faith in God at all and somehow maybe had unwittingly had sort of ended up in this Christian hostel and kind of got there all like, it sucks to be us, but... Um, and then the fourth kind were these types of Christians that I'd never really met before. And they were these Pentecostal, slightly terrifying, loudly passionate Christians who just couldn't seem to shut up about how awesome God was and how present he was and how they had dreams and, and like he spoke to them all the time. And while at the same time, they were mostly normal, 
likeable and down-to-earth people. And as I said, um, as is often the way with God, we can see him and his character in the, people of pe- in the lives of people who faithfully follow and love him. And in that year, I saw something of God I had never seen in the lives of people who loved him. And it was so attractive, and it made me realize that there was something in my own walk with God that I was missing. And I was really hungry to figure out exactly what that was. I mean, I loved God. I, but I couldn't say I was particularly passionate about him. I was faithful and solid, which cannot be underestimated. But I wanted to be sold out and passionate as well. I wanted to ooze Jesus like I saw in the lives of some of my friends. So in that year of moving to Hamilton, I began a journey of exploration and of questioning and of praying simply that God would show me more and more of who he is. And I would probably say that I am, if you know me, I'm quite a cautious type of person. I'm a planner. Uh, I like to do things right. I like to uh, do my research and weigh up the risks. Um, I really don't like getting things wrong. And from my background, the only things that I knew about these Pentecostal Christians and Pentecostal churches uh, was that they swung from the chandeliers. And I mean, to this day, I still don't really know what that means, but apparently they did. Uh, They wanted your money, and they were very emotional, with the obvious implication being that emotion is bad and cannot be trusted. Uh, If you happen to let them close enough to pray for you, they'd probably push you over. And for some reason, there's just a lot of this going on, just a lot of hands up in the air. But God in his grace began this really gentle journey with me. And in that year of first being here in Hamilton, I really began to read scripture, and in particular, the book of Acts and Paul's letters, uh, with a completely different lens. And even though I'd read some of those stories maybe hundreds of times, I began to see things in the text that I had never really paid much attention to before, like the role of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, which is kind of like, duh, um, and just in many of Paul's letters. I watched some of my friends' relationships with God and chatted and questioned and we argued um, with them about who the Holy Spirit was. And I also began to read a lot of books around the subject. And At the end of that year, I started coming along to Gateway, and I'd like to say it was for really spiritual reasons, that it was kind of a road to Damascus kind of experience, but it it really wasn't. Um, I didn't really want to come here, to be honest, but I had started dating Jono, who's now my husband, and I kind of thought, because obviously our faith was both important to to both of us, um, and I kind of thought if our relationship is going to go anywhere, then we need to be in the same church family. I hadn't really found somewhere yet, uh, but Jono was just locked in here. So I was like, okay, right, I better give this a good go. So I started coming here, and I said this morning, don't tell Don over there, but I, I pretty much hated it. Um, from the moment I walked through those doors, I can just think back so clearly to the moment of walking through those doors and coming in um, and just feeling completely overwhelmed. Um, It was so big, and I was from like a church context that was maybe 10 or 20 people, so it was so big. It was so noisy. They just like to crank up the volume. Um, It's so noisy, and I mean, even even the carpet was loud. It was, everything was confrontational. Um, 
being here just made me feel really uncomfortable. I would um, stand here and worship, and um, I uh, just remember times of wanting to cry and not really knowing why, and they'd sing the same song over and over and over again, and again, people just waving their arms a lot, um, and sometimes there'd be people that would speak in tongues from the front, and sometimes it was even a woman, um, and it was all just a bit weird. And then there'd sometimes be like last week, there'd be this prophetic guy, and he'd like point people out of the crowd, and he'd like uh, talk to them about their lives, um, about things that even Facebook couldn't have told him. And it all made me really uncomfortable, and at the same time, increasingly hungry. And I would stand here and worship, worship, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I would stand here and worship, and just so that no one could mistake that I was part of it, I'd stand here with my arms crossed, just so they knew that I was a casual observer. I wasn't really in it, guys, so I'm just here to observe. And I'd stand here like this, and I would watch people, and I would watch them as they brought their whole selves, uh, their bodies and their voices and their emotions uh, before God. And in some ways, there was nothing dignified about it. But it was also, there was just something that was so beautiful and so real and so authentic and so raw. And there was this teeny, just a teeny, weeny, tiny voice inside of me that said, Maybe there's more to my relationship with God. Maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe there's a dimension that I don't fully know about yet. And so I journeyed this for a good two and a half years. And as I walked this out, I was continually praying that God would reveal himself to me. And I talked with people I trusted. I became more and more convinced that the activity of the Holy Spirit today was not, not unlike what was experienced in the stories that I read about in the Bible that the longing and the searching and the emotion that I read about in the Psalms um, is also a valid a part of my Christian experience today. That God is not one to be placed in a tiny little box. That there is no box big enough to contain who God is. So I would explain my early years of leaving home is trying to answer, discover the answer to the big classic questions around the Holy Spirit, like, what is baptism in the spirit? Is speaking in tongues legit? Who can speak in tongues? And does God heal today? And without going into detail on my theology on each of those questions, I did come to a place where largely I have resolved them. And again, largely this is thanks to Don's teaching and the teaching here at Gateway, but also reading a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit by a guy called Jack Deere, which I found extremely helpful because he came from a really similar background to me and he wrestled with some of the same questions that I had wrestled with and he was able to explain it in a way that I could relate to. So I came to this place where I decided I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and so I prayed this simple prayer and I baptized myself. And let's be honest, I don't know if that's theolog theologically correct, but I guess what I was really just saying was, God, fill me up, I'm ready. I, I don't want to miss out on something. I don't, I don't want to be standing on the bleachers when actually the game's happening over there. Um, and I was saying, yeah, God, I'm ready, I'm open. And I distinctly remember, we were away on 
family holiday, and I prayed this prayer, and I was just like, right, I'm just going to give speaking in tongues a go. So I did, and I did, and it all sounded a little bit strange, so I stopped. And for me, there wasn't a whole lot of emotion around the experience. I'd just made this really deliberate and I think quite considered decision uh, that this is what I needed to do to be obedient to God. And to be honest, I didn't understand it all, but um, obedience to God is really important to me, so I took that step. And then conveniently, a couple of weeks after that, um, Don did, and if you've never heard it, but Don did one of his classic talks um, on being baptized in the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Um, Again, he will probably do this talk at the Encounter um, morning on Saturday morning, the 6th of June. Um, But he does this thing, I don't want to go into it, my brothers always mock me about a machine gun noise, I just can't make one, but he does this thing where he makes a machine gun noise, it's fantastic. Anyway, I went forward and I decided I need to do this because I need to do it right and I need to do it proper, so I came forward and and I got prayer. And I cried like a little bit and I spoke in tongues again and kind of that was it in some ways. This part of the auditorium right down here has a very special place in my memory because that's where I got prayed for. And so two and a half years of kind of journeying this led me to that point. And if you'd asked me the question maybe in those early years of what comes to mind when you think of the Holy Spirit, I would have said the word scary. My white middle class cultural expectations didn't allow much room for the supernatural. And anything that was supernatural was unexplainable or scary, or on the other hand, could be just kind of explained away. Uh, The verse that says our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, um, in Ephesians 6 verse 2, meant an entirely different thing to me growing up than it does now. It seemed that where the Holy Spirit went, it sometimes got quite loud and it sometimes got quite physical, and it got messy, and I didn't really know how to process that or how God that I thought who God was fitted into all that. And as I have reflected on this over the years, I began to realize that maybe part of why the Holy Spirit felt scary um, was because I couldn't explain some of that supernatural stuff and I couldn't control it, Um, but also because I'd elevated one part of my human experience over other parts. And that is, I'd held this rational um, kind of the world of disembodied ideas, the intellectual, up as more important than the emotional and the physical. Um, And by holding the intellect up as more important than other aspects of being human, I'd limited God to only one sphere, but maybe not necessarily the whole me. And without even really thinking about it, I think I thought that God was only interested in redeeming my intellect and my logic and my rational thought, and that he wasn't really interested in redeeming my emotions or my feelings or my physical body, that somehow those parts were were too human um, and not important enough to be redeemed. I saw uh, the most important part of me as some kind of soul floating around that out there, not grounded in the flesh and blood that God made and said was good. I saw myself as a human almost made up of disconnected parts with different levels of importance before God. I didn't really live with this hope of resurrection. I kind of lived with the hope of getting the heck out of here. And I guess what I've become more and more convinced of is that God doesn't see us as a collection of different parts He sees us as human beings made in his image, embodied, 
encased in this wonderfully complex creation of flesh and blood with emotions and feelings, but also intellect and logic. And this is why when I come in corporate worship um, now, I bring my whole self. Um, There is something so freeing about coming before God saying, here I am, here I am. Um, God is interested in all of me. Um, I wanna bring all of me before him. And if you had watched me through my time of journeying this, it it probably would have been quite a funny thing to watch because it probably would have been something like this. It would have started like this. And then just maybe when I was feeling a little bit brave enough and a little bit more convinced that there was something going on, maybe just a sneaky one hand, (laughs) maybe the one finger, (laughs) then maybe just a little double, little double, maybe maybe really bold when it was really dark in here, maybe just the one, not for long, just the one. Until now where I'm like, here I am, God, I'm here. This is me, have all of me, I love you, here I am. Um, It seems from my experience and from what I've read in the Word and from the collective experience of the church through history is that sometimes when the Holy Spirit particularly encounters people, he encounters the whole person, each part of what it means to be human, made in the image of God. When the Holy Spirit encounters us, it can be both incredibly emotional and sometimes physical. And it seems to be that God and his spirit comes down and touches our very humanness in our flesh and in our tears. And it can be loud and it can be a bit messy sometimes. I love this quote from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe um, where Mrs. Beaver says, don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then is he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So although the Holy Spirit doesn't scare me or make me maybe nervous in the way that he used to, because I am more comfortable with the fact that God wants to touch every part of our human experience, God isn't safe. He'll break out of every neat and tidy box that you try to put him in because he is bigger than any box that you can make. But he is good and he does love us. And in my journey of wrestling with this, um, this was my constant prayer. God, I know that you're good. There's there's some things I know about you. I know that you're good, and I know that you love me, and I know that I can trust you. But I don't want to miss out on a part of you. Reveal yourself to me, and I trust you that you will hold me and guard me and guide me as I search for you. So does the Holy Spirit scare me now? No, scared isn't the right word because I think my journey has um, created a more theologically sound picture of the Trinity, God in three persons, and also of what it means to, to be a human being made in the image of that God. Um, if I'm honest, God really just used to be the, the two persons, Father and Son with the Holy Spirit sort of out there somewhere where I didn't quite know what to do with him. So am I scared of the Holy Spirit? No, but do I fear God? Yes. But do I know that he loves me and that I can trust him? Most definitely also. 
So as I reflect on my journey of discovering who the Holy Spirit is, I think there are kind of two parts. And the first part is just what I've talked to you about, of wrestling with those bigger theological questions. But I think that the second part of my journey has been from scary to what does it look like to have God's Spirit as a normal and everyday part of my walk with Him? What does it look like to live an empowered life in the everyday mundane? As I look back on when I um, first began to explore who the Holy Spirit was, I was caught up in trying to answer those questions and it consumed me. Um, And what I paid little attention to was how God, through His Spirit, began to work in my life in very little and very intimate ways. And as much and as often um, as God will move in a way that is highly emotional and really intense, uh, from my experience and just as often, God moves in a way by his spirit that is gentle and quiet and not a big deal. Um, And what we should judge the movement of the spirit by is not this manifestation itself, not what happens, but the fruit that comes out of it. So the second part of my journey um, with this has been about learning to listen to God and learning to pay attention. And there are a few ways that I've come to know how God speaks to me. Uh, One is what I'd call the inner witness of the spirit in There's this quote that Don will often use from Friedrich um, Beekner that says, the thought I did not choose to think chose me to think it. And often God will speak to me by dropping a thought in my mind that is completely out of the blue and either so brilliant or so bizarre that it uh, definitely didn't come from me. Um, I don't have a stolen car story like Don yet. I'm waiting for one of those. But um, this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Another way that God speaks to me um, through his spirit is through my emotions. And the old me would have said, ooh, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Emotions surely can't be trusted. And sometimes, yes, that is definitely true. But also what is true is that sometimes our logic and our learning and our rational mind can't be trusted either. We've all met someone who uh, thinks they've been completely logical, completely rational, where everyone around them is like, they are so irrational. Um, What is critical in this journey is learning how to discern. And I've learned to pay attention to what I'm feeling. So St. Ignatius, he talks about feelings of what he calls consolation and feelings of desolation. And a feeling of consolation is an emotional response to a set of circumstances that reflect the power and the goodness of God. Whereas desolation is an emotional response to the multiple ways in which we experience this broken world. So consolation is like that deep abiding joy or peace that is unexplainable in so many ways. Whereas desolation is maybe that kind of niggly kind of something's just not right here feeling. And rather than just kind of brush those feelings off, um, I've learned to pay attention and ask the question, God, what's going on here? Why am I feeling like this? Am I just tired? Have I drunk too much of Or is there something going on here that I need to pay attention to? And if there is, what is it and what do I need to do about it? Um, I would hope that it goes without saying, but the act of discerning God's voice should also be done in community. We're not infallible. We get it wrong. Uh, Just as our logic and our learning can sometimes be wrong, as I said, our emotions and our feelings can deceive us. So we need, to be, we need to have people in our lives, trusted friends and mentors, and I would say a church family, uh, who we allow to speak into what we think God is saying to us. 
We also really need to rely on the word. Um, I am from a staunch brethren background, so we need to rely on the word of God. And um, if you feel like the spirit is speaking to you um, about something, but it's completely out of line with scripture, then that probably is not the Holy Spirit. It's possibly just your own deceptive heart or maybe some other kind of spirit. And we need to hear the word of God in our lives. So what does living an empowered life look like? I think that it means asking the big questions around your theology and never presuming that you know it all. And then it means actually taking the time and doing the hard work to find answers. Um, For me, in relation to this part of my journey, it took a good two and a half years, and it's always ongoing, I'm always learning. Um, But it took two and a half years before I was ready to take some steps. And so I'd encourage you, don't be in a rush, but be urgent. Uh, don't sit back kind of waiting for something magically to happen. If you've got big questions, then be doing some hard work to find out the answers to those questions. Seek and keep on seeking. Ask God to hold you and guard you and guide you as you search for him. And search for him in trusted community with friends um, or family or people that you really trust. Learn and be learning how to listen and how to discern. Um, This can only be done um, as we create space for it. And this is hard. My life right now is the fullest it's ever been. Uh, But somehow in the midst of the rush and the bustle, um, I'm trying to build practices that allow me moments of listening. Learn to reflect well and and ask yourself good questions. We need to have chunks of unhurried time to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Again, like I said, this can be hard to do. It takes discipline and prioritizing aspects of our faith that aren't really that glamorous, like praying or reading your Bible. Um, And to be honest, the only way that I can do this is we kind of have built, um, I like to call them rhythms because that sounds more exciting than routines. So we've built rhythms into our life that allow us moments just to do those really solid practices that you just need to have in your life. Um, Donald, where are you? Do you guys, the worship team wanna come? Cool. Um, I started sharing um, tonight um, my story of what I felt like God was saying to me last Sunday night um, in our corporate worship time. And like I said, I felt like he just said to me, Joe, you come, you come closer. And I guess my concluding thought or challenge would be, what's your next step of moving closer to God? What parts of your life are you holding back? What are some of the parts of your life that as God stands there and beckons you, because he beckons all of us, as he stands there and beckons you, what do you need to lay down at his feet? What are the big questions that you need to do just some hard work of finding out the answers to. Maybe like me, you've seen yourself as a kind of a collection of bits where God's maybe more interested in some parts than others. Um, Maybe you just need to step in and bring your whole self. Um, Maybe it's just a sneaky one-handed, here I am God, or maybe you're just like, here I am God. Maybe that's your next step. When God beckons, come closer. What does that mean for you right now?
for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.